When you think of the word father, what's the first impression that comes to mind? Do you have thoughts of love and compassion, protection, warmth, and tenderness? Or does the word father paint a much different picture for you? In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the Father Heart of God. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. Today's verse is Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our image of Father gets distorted by many things in life, like our relationship with our own earthly fathers, or things like teachings we've received in church, or even from concepts that we picked up from living in this world. For an example, why is it that major storms that cause great destruction are called acts of God? But God gets no credit for the fact that your grocery store is full of fresh fruit and vegetables every day. Every person seems to have a differing view of who Father God is based on many factors. For this reason, it takes the Holy Spirit's work in each of us individually to bring us into a better understanding of Father God. So if you're willing, pray with me before we go any farther. Holy Spirit, will you breathe on this podcast and use it to free each of us from any misconceptions about our Father God. So the first place we begin to understand the concept of father, of course, is with our own earthly fathers. Now, I've mentioned before that my dad was a very faithful and consistent father. He was home every night for dinner. He'd play catch with me in the backyard when I asked, and he provided well for our family. Yet my view of Father God was distorted by my earthly father. You see, my dad was a very quiet man. You could be in a room with him, and if you didn't talk to him, he wouldn't talk to you. He was also not very good with encouragement. His form of encouragement was to point out something I'd done wrong and explain the correct way to do it. Now, he often didn't volunteer to help when I was doing something, but he was quick to correct when I'd done something wrong. So how did I view Father God? First, I thought that God was always looking for things I did wrong so that he could correct me. And this idea didn't all come from my dad. The church I grew up in helped with this idea a lot. We were more focused on repenting from sin than we were on relationship with God. It was as if God was this big, mean policeman in the sky, anxiously waiting for you to do something wrong so he could nail you. The second picture of Father God was that he was standoffish. He was not a warm, accepting God. He basically was not someone you could know on an intimate level. And you certainly would not want to sit down and have a conversation with him because he more than likely was going to point out something you'd done wrong. And from my background, we were taught that you could only know God by reading the scripture, that he was not someone you could know on an intimate level or talk with on a daily basis. Your earthly father has a major impact on the way that you view Father God. Some of you had sexually, physically, or emotionally abusive fathers. Some had absent fathers who were not there due to divorce, death, or illegitimacy. Some had fathers who were in your home, but they were so distracted and disconnected from you that they might as well have lived somewhere else. 
With all of this confusion and distortion from the world we live in, how can we know what Father God is really like? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14, in verses 7 and verse 9, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So to know what Father God is like, we can look at Jesus. And if we're going to look at Jesus' life, then we got to begin and look at his birth. Now, I'm going to be fairly blunt about how Jesus was born, not in any way to dishonor the Savior of the universe, but to put into context how Jesus was born so that we can see what his father is like. So let's start by looking at the circumstances around the birth of Jesus. First of all, Jesus was born to an unwed teenage mother. His mother and the man who appeared to be his earthly father, Joseph, were not married at the time of Jesus' conception. This would have been very shameful for his mother and very shameful for Jesus. He would have been known in their small community as an illegitimate son. To make matters worse, Jesus' parents were from Nazareth. There was a saying in that day, could anything good come from Nazareth? Next was the fact that Jesus was born in a stable. Now, many times at the Christmas plays at church, they depict the stable as this lovely, clean, orderly place. That was probably not the situation for Jesus. Remember that Joseph had come to Bethlehem to be counted in the census, along with everyone else from the family of David. There were so many people in the town that there was no room for them to stay, so they had to stay in the stable. Now, all of these travelers would have had animals that they rode to get to Bethlehem, so the stable would have been overcrowded with animals. And many animals mean much animal dung, right? So Jesus was born in a stinky stable filled with sweaty animals, not exactly the royal setting for the king of kings to make his entrance into the world. And the first people to welcome Jesus into this world were shepherds. Shepherds were often looked down on and excluded from civilized society because they were mostly uneducated and quite frankly dirty from sleeping with the sheep. And who's going to believe the word of these uneducated, smelly shepherds about what they witness? So what does Jesus' birth tell us about Father God? God had his son enter this world in such a lowly manner that no one could point to his birth as a reason to feel excluded. There was nothing about the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth that could cause anyone to feel inferior or rejected by their own circumstances. Jesus, in fact, was rejected by those in his community because his mother and father were not married at the time of his conception. Everyone would have known that he was an illegitimate child. He was born in a stinky, smelly stable surrounded by dirty, smelly animals. His welcoming committee was a bunch of, you guessed it, smelly, uneducated shepherds. His parents were from Nazareth, an area of Israel that is despised and looked down on. Father God does not want anything to stand in the way of someone coming into a relationship with him. He could have had Jesus born in the palace, which is what he deserved, being the king of kings, but instead, God brought him into this world in the lowliest and worst conditions so that no one could point to his birth as a reason to reject him. Now, let's move on to a story about the woman at the well from John chapter 4. As you may know, she was an outcast from her own people because she'd been married five times and the man she lived with was not her husband. 
Jesus presented her with the gospel about water that leads to eternal life, and her life was changed. So why is this story exceptional? First of all, Jesus should not have been talking to this woman who was a Samaritan. Jews looked down on and despised the Samaritans, but Jesus valued her by speaking with her. Add to that fact that men of that day did not talk to women who were not their wives. Yet Jesus knew this woman's sinful past, and that did not stop him from talking with her. None of these circumstances stopped Jesus from showing love and compassion on this sin-stained and rejected woman. Father God sent Jesus to that particular well at the hottest time of the day in order to bring life to a sinful and rejected woman. God was more concerned for her healing and cleansing than he was about the religious regulations of the day. The love and forgiveness that God showed through his son Jesus is what transformed that woman from someone who hid from the people in her town, that's why she was at the well in the middle of the day instead of in the morning, to someone who ran into town and told everyone about the man she'd met. That's the father heart of God. He is more concerned with your future than with your past. When you accept his free gift of forgiveness through Christ, your past is washed clean. Another time, the 12 disciples were traveling by boat from one side of the Sea of Galilee to another when they were overtaken by a terrible storm. The boat was being thrashed about by the winds and the waves when they noticed someone coming towards them walking on the water. At first, they thought it was a ghost. Then they realized it was Jesus. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Peter got out of the boat and began walking to Jesus on the water. At one point, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the ferocious wind and waves and began to sink into the sea. Jesus reached out his hand and rescued Peter. What does this story tell us about the father heart of God? God doesn't give up on us when we make mistakes. Yes, Peter sank because he took his eyes off Jesus. Peter also experienced a depth of intimacy with Jesus that very few ever know. In his sinking, he was saved by the hand of Jesus. Peter experienced something that none of the other disciples experienced by taking the risk and getting out of the boat. Then later in Peter's life, when he denied Jesus three times on the night he was crucified, Father God used this very flawed vessel to lead the new church. And the list of very flawed and sinful people that God has used in mighty ways to bring his kingdom to earth is very long. I am one that's on that list. My sin was great, but God's grace was greater. What do these snapshots from Jesus' life tell us about Father God? First, the love of Father God for fallen humanity is so great. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it goes on to say, not to condemn the world, but to bring salvation to all who receive his gift. And Father God did not want any barriers to get in the way of people getting to know his son. So he brought Jesus into this life in a very lowly and humble way. And out of his great love for lost and broken people, he sent Jesus to one very sinful and rejected woman who then became one of the greatest evangelists of her day. Father God wants to co-labor with flawed and redeemed messes, like Peter, to bring his kingdom to earth. What an amazing Father God. 
he made sure there were no barriers to people coming into his open arms of love. In fact, the only people Jesus rebuked were the religious leaders of the day who piled rules and regulations and burdens on the people who were only trying to have a relationship with God. God didn't put those burdens and barriers on people. That was done by man's self-created religion. So if you have a picture of Father God that doesn't match up with this picture of God, I just encourage you to get in touch with our ministry coordinator at healing at restoringthefoundations.org and schedule some RTF ministry time. You have a very good father who was so desperate to have a relationship with you that he allowed his son to die a very shameful and painful death on your behalf. So don't settle for anything less. Remember, God is more concerned with your future than with your past. So Father God, I thank you for each one that's listening today. I thank you for your truth that you show us in your word, that you take flawed and sinful people and use them in your kingdom, that you empower them to co-labor with you and bring your kingdom to this world. So Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would, would touch everyone that's listening today and show us any places where we have misconceptions about you where we're judging you or putting you in a box or keeping you from uh, not allowing ourselves to experience intimacy with you because of our false beliefs. Or if there's any wounded places, any places where we've been wounded by the church or wounded by religion in any way, Father, that we would get healing for those places so that we could know you as you really are because you really are more concerned with our future than you are with our past. So again, I bless each one that's listening. Come Holy Spirit, touch each one of us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.